Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. You and your family deserve to feel your best all day, every day, which is why Beekeepers Naturals creates clean, science-backed remedies that naturally support your daily health. P.S. This is like the best time ever for me to have them as a sponsor because I am actually sick. So I am using their Bee Soothed Cough Syrup, which could not have arrived at my doorstep at a better moment um, and is amazing. And it's a truly clean cough syrup, which makes me feel so much better. It has no drugs, dyes, dirty chemicals, refined sugars, and it tastes good, which is great. I mean, I can suck it up for anything, but it happens to taste really good. a sort of a light, sweet, natural berry flavor um, and has already made my throat feel better. I also love the throat spray that they have called Propolis Throat Spray, um, sort of a daily defender um, promoting immune health and helping scratchy throats, which I have. And then there's even Bee Powered Honey, which is great, and I've been putting it in my tea today. So thank you to Beekeepers Natural. I even have my own URL, so go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash no time. That's beekeepersnaturals.com dot com slash no time and the promo code to enter is no time and o-t-i-m-e so go check it out and i'm excited to expose you to this great brand Oh my gosh, I had the best time interviewing Natalie Portman, who I have been a fan of for as long as I can remember. She is one of my favorite actresses of all time and now she wrote a children's book and it was just beyond a thrill to interview her and she was so real and awesome and I just loved it. Natalie Portman, born in Jerusalem. Natalie Portman is a graduate of Harvard University. She's an Academy Award-winning actress, director, producer, and activist whose credits include Black Swan, Jackie, and the upcoming Marvel movie Thor 4 Love and Thunder. What you may not know is that Natalie fluently speaks six languages, English, Hebrew, Spanish, French, German, and Japanese, and was also a trained ballet dancer explaining her brilliant work in Black Swan. Natalie's debut children's picture book, Natalie Portman's Fables, is a modern take on timeless life lessons told through insightful retellings of classic stories like The Tortoise and the Hare, The Three Little Pigs, and Country Mouse and City Mouse. My kid's favorite, by the way, was The Three Little Pigs, in case you were wondering. A lifelong fan of books, Natalie runs her own book club and shares her favorite reads on her Instagram feed using the hashtag WhatNatReads. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. I read fables to my kids. They were obsessed. They loved it. And I don't say that all the time. I have lots of children's books and sometimes, you know, your kids just like relate to ones or they don't. And my daughter was like, you're talking to the woman who wrote the new three little pigs. So they thought that was the coolest. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. So what inspired you to write fables to reimagine some of these classic fairy tales from our youth and, and do them over. What was that about? 
Well, I was reading books to my kids and I have a boy and a girl. And I realized that, first of all, for my girl, the kinds of presents she would get, the kind of books that were given to her were were often like feminist kind of baby books. <laughs> and I was like, why didn't my son get any of these? You know, like <laughs> no one, I was like, the boys needed as much as the girls. So I felt like, oh, I want something that's going to be everyone will read. And the classic books that I had been reading, both of them, of course, I started noticing that all of the characters were predominantly were male. And so I thought, oh my goodness, well, the books that both of them are reading are telling them to prioritize male character stories over other stories. And so I thought, what if I took some of these classics and just made it more reflective of the world, you know, where there's lots of genders in the, in the, in the animal kingdom and let the stories that are still morally resonant, you know, the morals that really resonate today still, like the tortoise and the hare and the three little pigs and the country mouse and the city mouse, those could, could still hold up and, and even have new meaning in today's world. So now the bad guys are actually bad women. Is that really a good message? I don't know. Like the wolf is a, is a woman. Are we happy to be including her in our clan here? What do you think? <laughs> I think that the more women are seen as human and capable of anything, capable of being good or bad, capable of being smart or not smart or strong or lazy, like the more possibility women have to just be human and be seen as human first and judged by their character, their virtue, their accomplishments, not by their gender, that's where we reach equality. So of course, I mean, it's like the RBG quote of like putting women on a pedestal is just another kind of cage. Paraphrasing, of course, that's not the exact exact quote, but you know, when people say, oh, women are much better than men, or that's, that's another harmful stereotype, even like masquerading as a compliment. Very true. I feel like throughout your Instagram, you've done such a good job of trying to highlight all different types of women in all different areas and talking about the things that are really important, like everything from Serena Williams and why are there not as many women tennis matches per day than men's tennis matches to different political candidates to homeschooling, everything. You're just like digging deeper and deeper into every industry. Like it's not even, it's not about authors. It's about like really critical thinkers. So tell me about how you started doing this whole interview series as well. Well, I just started, I mean, it's really, I've just been led by curiosity, I guess. And in the things I'm interested in, I thought if I have this way of talking to people directly, then I might as well talk about what I'm curious about, learn things and share what I, what I'm learning or the people I'm lucky enough to meet. And so whether it's about food, which is super interesting to me. And, you know, obviously, of course, the environmental impact of food is really interesting, but making it delicious and fun at the same time, or whether it's writers, because I love reading and it's such a great opportunity to get to discuss books with writers after you read them. It's like the coolest opportunity or activists who, from whom, like, I feel like one, the big change for me on going on social media was like, it opened up my understanding of the world in such a a new way. And I was exposed to so many incredible people doing so, so much really like world changing, world bettering work. So that's been really wonderful too, as an opportunity. And yeah, it's been really interesting. 
I feel like social media obviously gets a bad rep, but I feel like I've met people from all over the world. Like I can talk to an author in Nigeria about how they're handling COVID and I can talk to someone in LA. Like I, it, there's no, there are no barriers anymore and you can connect with people anywhere. It's really, I think it's one of the, the biggest perks. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's all how it's used, it seems. And also it is, of course, it can be very addictive. It can be very like, you know, living in a virtual state as opposed to like the real life state. But I think, you know, if you're able to use it in moderation, it certainly is an incredible like portal into so many different places we wouldn't normally have access to. And back to your cooking, by the way, because now I'm like feeling totally shamed. Like not only do you have like your whole professional life, but now, and all these great, you know, activist thought leadership type interviews, and you're like cooking all these amazing foods too. Like my husband cooks and that's fine. I'm like, matzo lasagna, that looks amazing. Oh my God. You're, You're so sweet, but please not at all. Like my husband is really the cook in the house. He really cooks well. And I'm kind of, I'm very amateur, but like, I really like it. But I think that for me, why I like sharing it is because I'm not very skilled. So I know if I can do it, like anyone can do it. And I'm usually doing it in like 15 minutes, like holding a child in my hand. So I'm like, okay, like this recipe you can do like any, if I can do it, you can do it. Like it's not complicated. And I feel like those are the kind of mom things we need to share with each other because like, that's how we get by. It's those like tips that we spread from mom to mom. It's true. The whole like whisper culture of this is how we do it. Yes. I'm upheld by comments like those and (laughs) little tips. The messages in fables though go sort of beyond typical kids books, I would say. Typical, like you have so many things and I feel like I don't know if you intentionally put in like all your values and just like shove them in a little children's book. If you like started with the values and like, how can I fit these in? Oh, wait. Oh, wait a minute. But there were so many things like, see, you don't need all that stuff. True friends are more than enough. And you have all these things like sometimes more isn't better. A bragger cannot persevere. A life lived attentively is the completest. To have strong foundations, you cannot be lazy. Waking up early is an energy booster. You want to have friends who will stand by your side. Like these could be, I could be like reading a quote book, you know, at the checkout line with like, you know, little flowers or something, but instead they're interspersed in the book. It's, it's like very clever how you did it. Yeah. That's really nice. Well, I think, you know, when you have a clear audience and here it was like for my children, like I was like, what do I want to give them in tangible form of like what I think is important? And so, I mean, it's not all in there, but certainly there's a lot that I care about that I wanted to give to them, you know. And and secondly, I find that reading books to kids, it's kind of the only time I read books over and over and over again, where I'll read because my kids both have had favorites over the years and, you know, they make me read a book a hundred times in a row. And so it really gets into you. And as a parent, like you kind of want that to be meaningful. And so there's certain things I feel like I even wrote for myself, like in the tortoise and the hare that it was like, honey moves slowly, but it, and it is the sweetest. A life lived attentively is the completest because it's like the attention. It's so noisy. It's so busy. You're running around all the time. And then like, you know, that when you really pay attention, when you really like focus, when you really spend time, when you take things slowly, 
is like a true expression of, of love and meaning. Like that's where you're like most fulfillment. And so it felt like both for them and also for myself, I was like, what do I need to remember? And also what do I want to like imbue in my children? And how did, so I know in the back of the book, you included a portrait that your mom had done of you and your brother's kids. I think it's so sweet. And you have this whole big shout that's out to my, her. That's my kids. Oh, that's your kids. That's my kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My, my son and my daughter that she drew. Oh, um, so sweet. I, so tell me about like, how did, like, what did she do right? What, what do you think like she did in her parenting to you that gave you the values that you're now passing on to your kids? Or maybe not, maybe it's like a reaction against, but. Yeah, she's just the most attentive and the most focused with kids and the most like, I mean, she was like that with me and I'm an only child. And then she's like that with my children now. Like, you know, you couldn't even imagine, like, I feel like I'm constantly running through lists of stuff that I have to do and like trying to like fold laundry and cook dinner and like get the kids homework at, like done at the same time, you know, like, I mean, not get their homework. I, I can imagine. I can Those imagine. Yes. Doing it. Yes. I mean, him, I only have one kid doing homework right now because my little one is in preschool, but really it's definitely like, I feel so scattered as a mother. Like, I feel like that's like the, the, the central characteristic and my mother, I always felt that she was just so focused and present and attentive and like, yeah. So I try and conjure her energy, which I don't have. I'm, I'm more all over the place. Yeah. I'm the same way. And sometimes even when I'm with my mom, like she'll be, you know, on her phone or something. And I'm like, I feel so hurt. It's so silly. Right. I'm like 44 years old and I'm like, but we only had like an hour together. Why are you on your phone? Like, what are you doing? What is so important? And I think it's the same thing. It's like this, this like, let someone occupy a hundred percent of what you're doing. Right. And that's what like great conversation is about. Right. You just pay attention. And that's, I don't know, there's just nothing like it. And when you don't feel like you're necessarily getting that. And I try to remind myself of that when I'm with my kids, like, how do I feel when my mom seems distracted and here I am like, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my husband always says it to me that like the phone, these like smartphones were supposed to make our lives like so we could have more free time because, you know, you could like kind of be portable and like whatever. But then instead it just makes us like work all the time. It makes us like half working all the time, half on our phones all the time, half not present all the time. And so it's really, I think it's like kind of the, one of the biggest challenges of, of modern parenthood among the other, you know, <laughs> seven thousand things. <laughs> yeah, let's pick. <laughs> and yeah, every yeah. so often I'm like, maybe I'll just try to email on a computer today. Like, let's see how that works. <laughs> it's actually really good. I've, I've done that a few times where I've taken breaks and just taken an email off of my phone and it actually makes a huge difference. Yeah. You're, you can be so much more productive on a computer with like an hour than all day long. These like little dribble drabbles of emails that never stop. But not that I will change my behavior, but you know. <laughs> and tell me about this new LA women's soccer team. What is that about? That's so awesome. 
Yeah, we're so excited. So Angel City Football Club is our official name and we're launching in 2022. That's when we'll start playing games. And it's just really thrilling to bring women's soccer to LA. There's two men, men's soccer teams and we have such incredible players in this country. We have like really the the best players in the world and the most popular sport in the world. And it's super exciting to get to celebrate them and amplify their, their virtuosity because they're, they're extraordinary. So it's really, it's really fun. It's an incredible group of people doing it. It's, you know, Alexis Ohanian and Serena Williams and, and a bunch of actors, friends. I adore Jess Chastain, America Ferreira, Eva Longoria, Uzo Aduba, just, countless others and it's 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 been an end like sports legends like Billie Jean King and Lindsey Vaughn and 14 former women's national team players like Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy and Abby Wambach and it's just like insane insane group of people it's so exciting so you all like get a box and you can hang out every game you know that's, that's, that's how it's goal. gonna be <laughs> get, get through this pandemic and then uh, <laughs> then we can all hang hopefully Oh my gosh. Actually, I was chit-chatting with my husband as I was coming down here and I was mentioning your soccer team. And my daughter, who we were putting to bed, was like, wait, women have soccer teams? And I was like, yeah, women can have soccer teams. She's like, can women have football teams? And I was like, no, not football. And she's like, okay, basketball? And I was like, yeah. Like, we watch so much sports here. I don't know my husband is, but I don't know. Somehow that was like really inspiring. And she's a great little athlete. So anyway. Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing for our, for our girls to have professional careers to aspire to if they are, you know, extraordinary athletes to have athletes to look up to and admire. And also for boys, it's the same thing we're talking about with the book. It really had kind of similar impetus that I was inspired to have the soccer team when I saw my son watching the Women's World Cup. And he was looking at, you know, Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe in the same way that he looks at Messi or Ronaldo, you know, and I was like, that's change. That really feels like a completely new world if, because I mean, how many male athletes did we look up to as little girls, right? I like, like, I have like a secret sort of, you know, girl crush on Chrissy Everett, I have to say, you know, the oh, tennis player. Totally. Everybody else I feel like is a blur of, of men, but she was my childhood hero. Yeah. I mean, we also had, you know, female athletes that we looked up to, but I think women are often asked to empathize with or see themselves in men. And I think a world would be wonderful. I don't mind that. I think it just also should be that young boys see idols in women too, that they don't just have to have to look at greatness in male form. 100%. Totally agree. And speaking of idols, tell me a little bit about Natalie's book club and the books that you've been picking and how that's been going and all the rest. It's been so fun to get to share and hear hear people's opinions about books. And yeah, and, and it's brought me to so many interesting corners. I'm kind of an eclectic reader. So, you know, I'm not I, I don't have like a genre that people can like, you know, rely upon. So I hope that is okay for people following because sometimes it's fiction, sometimes it's nonfiction, sometimes it's, you know, poetry or, and it's been really interesting to, to get to talk to all these different writers and, and understand more about their processes. And of course, 
read some great books along the way. Are you reading anything great now? Anything amazing by your bedside? I finally read Untamed, which had, I know I'm so late to the game. Some people <laughs> told me how wonderful it was and they were all right. Like it's so rare when something lives up to the hype and it really, it really did. I really loved the book club books that I've, I've really like have stuck with me in such a deep way. I would say The Lost Children Archives, the Valeria Luiselli book is amazing. Like that's like really, really affected me deeply. Girl, Woman, Other was incredible. The new Eleanor Ferranti and then picking all, all fiction books. But then some surprises too, like the Robin Wall Kimmerer book Gathering Lost was like, I was wrapped. It was so incredible. And Patrice Cullors' memoir is when they call you a terrorist is really, really moving and world changing. Like it completely changes the way you see the world through one person's story. It's really a wonderful book. Yeah. I mean, so many, everyone has been <laughs> an incredible adventure. I have a whole new stack of books now. I have to like make a new little shelf here for you. Yeah. What are you, what about you? What are you reading? I recently read The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which like untamed, like everybody had already read and I was so late to it. And I was like, almost didn't want to read it because it had, I'm like, it can't possibly be this good. And then it was, I was like, how great is that? So, but yeah, lots of, I don't even know, lots of different books. I'm reading a new book coming out called The Push by Ashley Audrain about a mother who's sort of been a victim of abuse sort of through the generations, right? Like her mother, grandmother, and how she mothers, but it's like a thriller. I don't know. It's kind of, it's really good. That's what I'm reading right now. And you know, fables, right? So. Yes. I know. I'm constantly reading a whole variety of children's books. Yes. We just finished Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast. That's really what I'm reading. I was reading that. That's a really good one. Really good one. I know that one. Sounds great. That's good. So do you have any advice, I would say both to aspiring authors and especially children's authors, but also just people who want to emulate your activism and how to make a difference in terms of advocating for women, especially in getting equal footing? So for books, I mean, I think it's really for kids' books, you just have to imagine and maybe practice with kids what keeps their attention. I know I need to mention like farts and burp (laughs) and, you know, like boogers, like anything that's what keeps my children's attention, you know, to, to, I don't know, not, not that you have to do that, but I think that the, the silliness always helps with the kids' books and practicing on them. Like I definitely read them the books so many times to find what the, you know, what the parts I needed to change, what they understood, et cetera. In terms of activism, and I feel like what I've learned the most is to listen to the people who've been doing the work and follow them. And like not trying to invent anything yourself, <laughs> like find the people who are, because do- there are a lot of people who are doing it really well, not to put anyone down. Like, obviously, if you want to devote your life to it, go do it. But the thing I think is like, when you're new to it, the best thing to do is find the people who've been doing it for decades, who've been organizing, who've been leading, and then listen to what they say and go with them. I mean, when you believe in their, in what they're doing and their actions, but that's been, I learned the most, yeah, by listening. I guess that's always true. 
Can I ask one last, perhaps inappropriate question? How do you stay looking so young? Like you do not age. And Are I, you like, kidding me? No, you, it's so true. Nice. I'm just like looking at your skin. This is like so creepy to me, but I'm just like, uh, what is no, she doing that I am not doing? I don't. All I do is go like, look at all these, like I have like lines everywhere every day, new ones. But you know, I'm like trying to just embrace it and like feel like I earned it. Like- <laughs> I don't know. My, my best friend and I were like talking last night. We're both turning 40 this year. And she was like, ah, 40. And I was like, no, 40. Like, that's like a, that's like an achievement. Like, you know how many people like don't get to reach this? Like how lucky are we? And how cool is this? And look what we did to get here. And like, this is amazing. And you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I don't want to look inexperienced. I'm not inexperienced. <laughs> I am full of experience. <laughs> I am full of I am full of joy and wisdom and curiosity. And if that's what you know my lines represent, then like great. That let that be a signal. <laughs> awesome. And I think I don't know. I think yeah, looking young is overrated. Thank you. It's- <laughs> that was just what I needed to hear tonight. So thank right? you for that. Yes. <laughs> looking young is overrated. <laughs> Wasted on the young. Yeah. Forget it. No, let them enjoy it. That's the best part about being young. You don't know anything at that point. So like, I don't know, being young was like so painful for me. Like, I feel like it's such like a painful, not knowing, searching, figuring it out, feeling uncomfortable in my own skin time. Like give them the clear skin. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I can can have it. It's the bonus prize for having to deal with yes, no clue what's coming next. Uh Yeah, (laughs) nothing being settled at all, and every day is a question mark. Now we have everything settled, and here come the lines. So fine, (laughs) or for me, anyway. Awesome. Well, Natalie, thank you so much. Thanks for all your time, and I really appreciate it. That was really fun. So thank you, you too, and be well. I hope everything. Yeah. Thank you. Stay safe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Beekeepers Naturals for helping me through a sick day with the amazing cough syrup and um, cough spray, throat spray that you have. And thanks for helping all my listeners. Beekeepersnaturals.com slash no time, promo code no time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Music.